All right. Eating the mic. What are our plugs? Hold on. Man, I should got some water. Anyways, ready? Oh, that would have been a good idea. Ready. It's the Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio Podcast. I'm Matthew Martinson. I'm Gordon McGlattery. And this is Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio. Welcome to it. Yay. Woo! Episode? 37? Yeah, I think so. Our official yeah. move into the fourth year. Fourth year begins. Yeah. Will we be alive for a whole other year? Questionable. And went dark fast there. Yeah. Sorry. Whoa. Um, Whoa there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, we've it, decided. Since it's our fourth year. Uh, we're switching it up. Announcements at the beginning. Format change. Whoa. So that we don't lose probably 70% of the audience for the, our announcements. <laughs> Uh, there, there's, there's a question. Let me know. Do you listen to all the way through and hear our announcements? Yeah. End? Can we get some analytics on that? Yeah. If it was Bandcamp, we could. Yeah. If it was Bandcamp, it would be like fifteen percent of the people would finish the podcast, according to who <laughs> listens to my songs. Oh, at least they're listening. It's a lot of red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of Bandcamp. Oh, nobody listened to anything today. Oh man, uh, I got, I got, uh, I got my SoCan payments today. Oh, nice. Six dollars and twenty-eight cents. I have my first. I still have it because I never cashed it. My first SoCan check, physical check. My first. Yeah, one yeah. Was, I got a physical check because this is back when they cut those. Yeah, I used to get them too. And eighty-five it was cents. Five dollars and fifty cents or That's something. That's not bad. My first one. I was like, yes. Mine was under a dollar. Because I had time. a, I have two bits of songs in TV shows, and that was like cool. That was the year they aired. So like, <laughs> so it was like, yeah. I had something happen in from I was I really want to know what it was. Yeah. So in October, from October to December, 2015, something went on in Australia, and I made two hundred and fifty dollars from SoCan, nice. which is like nice. probably famous. <laughs> yeah, they should probably go on tour. There's probably a, a province in Australia that you could show up to, and they're like, "Oh my yeah. god!" Even a little bit of New Zealand. I think did it was you, like you see college radio or something. I yeah. Don't know. Awesome. Um, anyway, so announcements up front. Yes. Uh, what do you got? Uh, I put out a new EP. Excellent. I'm doing that. So check out. It's on Bandcamp. It's on all the streaming services. If you like my weird kind of dark ambient music, there's some more of it. Matesk.bandcamp.com. Yep. And it's just Matesk. Yep. Okay. Matesk? Matesk. Matesk. Not Matesk. No, Matesk. Soft T's. Like Beatlesque or... You know, not unlike. All right. Starting the fourth year, I should know that. <laughs> it's only made my screen name forever. Um, your announcements. Well, Carousel Con is your other announcement. Yes. Uh, by the time this comes out, we will probably be at GDC, in which we are running Carousel Con for the first time ever. Mm -hmm. uh, all the audio people, not all, some of the audio people hang out behind the carousel and have lunch. Uh, now all the audio people will hang out behind the carousel and have lunch, and we're gonna have a little micro talks. I'm just in the process of nailing down who we're gonna have speak. Cool. It's gonna be Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, one o'clock. Come check it out. Excellent. I'm gonna have buttons. Great. Oh, I'll have buttons too. Not nice. carousel con buttons. I'm gonna have carousel con buttons, and I'm gonna have more beards, cats, and any game audio buttons. Yeah. Are you gonna have new ones? Yeah. New same designs? ones. Same no, design. no, same design. Okay. More of the same. I've got more of those too. The purple yeah. ones. We've got yeah. Night in the Woods coming out on the 21st. 
which will be out by the time this by the is time out. You, yeah, you'll have... So go get it. Being out, play it, let us know how it sounds. Pretty much all attribution for the sounds in that game can go to Joey and M on our team. Yep. Awesome. Um, M did like the main game, and then Joey did the game within the game. And by the time this is announced, Matt's in the Dome of Silent Secrecy right now. Yes. Um, because it hasn't been announced. As we speak. As we speak, it is not announced, but we will have announced the new game from... The Rogue Legacy team, Cellar Door Games, which, which is uh, Full Metal Furies. Sweet. It's uh, going to be a four-person brawler. It's my cool. largest soundtrack I've ever done. Nice. Um, I think over 90 minutes. And there's a trailer? There's a trailer. Go watch Go the trailer. Go check it out. Yeah. But I mean, I'm hoping it's so big you've already seen it by now. Yeah, you could have. So those are my two big That's announcements. That's pretty awesome. That's I believe. Been an announcement of a game and in a game launch. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So we've been... Working on those for a long time. <laughs> oh, when we uh, put out Oxygen Not Included, went out into Early Access Alpha. Oh, sweet. So okay. you can't buy it directly on Steam. You have to go through our forums right. uh, to buy it. But mm -hmm. that is out. Majority of that work totally goes to Jamie Bell for the sound. Um, I did a bunch of stuff, but he's been leading the charge on that one. Nice. And doing an amazing job. It sounds really cool. There's a lot of little cool stuff that I totally wouldn't have thought of doing. So oh, cool. It's like nice to be like, nice. oh, yeah, I can't wait to a, hear that. that's a great idea. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, games. Games coming out. Games coming out. Um, And so that's our announcements. Yay. And we are not going to talk about GDC. How to do GDC. We've talked about that. I was, I forgot. I was going to look up what episode we did that, but I forgot. Yeah. Go, go back into the archives. We talked about it another time. And... We've, well, we've other probably talked about it twice. Yeah. Other people have talked about it. There's lots of great... There are Gamma Sutra articles on it. There's great articles and podcasts. Lots of stuff covering how to do GDC how right. To, how to so, do GDC. So uh, look that up. Instead, we were going to touch on a few just sort of loose concepts. Approximately two weeks ago. Yep. Maybe a little more. Mm -hmm. I got a big wooden crate in the mail. You did. Big wooden crate that had stamps on it that said cleared by customs of Mongolia. And what was inside was an instrument called a Morin Kur, uh, which I bought for myself as a little gift after I did the company taxes and realized I had some money. Uh, <laughs> That's I, a smart way to do that. And what it is, its English name is a horsehead fiddle. Yep. Which is, and it's kind of a Mongolian cello. And the range is sort of in between a viola and a cello. Yeah. It's got two strings, of course, made of, out of horsehair, right. and then a horsehair bow. So what happens if you break a string? You can't break the strings. No? It came with a couple, it came with an extra set, but but, yeah. but the strings are basically bows as well. But they're, instead of being arranged flat, they're bunched mm -hmm. like a like an untwisted rope, basically. Yeah. Hmm. So you might be able to, you might break a couple strands, but yeah. you can't break the strings. The strings don't break. Yeah. Um, it's tough. It's Mongolian. <laughs> and so I've been learning how to play it. Yeah, I've been watching your little videos you've been putting on I've Twitter. Posting short videos on Twitter, occasional rage quips. Yeah. Um, and what's been in my mind is this whole process of learning because mm -hmm. I've never learned a fretless instrument before. Yeah. I've never learned a bowed instrument before. I had toyed with cello briefly. Yeah. Um, probably eight or nine years ago. Mm-hmm. But I would I wouldn't say I learned it, and this is completely different from cello, anyways. Yeah, you don't actually press the the strings down to the fingerboard. 
The, yeah. the strings hover like an inch uh-huh. off of the fingerboard. They never, you never push them down. So the, and the low string, it goes like high, the high strings to closer to you, the low strings further away from you. So it's backwards from guitar. Okay. And you push sideways on the strings in hmm. order to like place your, to get your intonation. Mm-hmm. And you use your fingernails with your first two fingers and the pads of your fingers with the second two fingers. So it's like very weird. Yeah. It sounds And the high string, bizarre. if you want to use your pinky finger, you have to go under the low string. The rest of the fingers go over, and the, one, the other Weird. one goes under. So I'm trying to learn this instrument properly, because yeah. I haven't really ever learned an instrument properly. Yeah. I probably play eight or nine instruments mm-hmm. wrong. <laughs> like, passably, I could yeah. I could jam with them in a very simple, simple band. Yeah. But I don't know how to play anything right. So I've been going over this concept of like of learning stuff. Um, Steve Swink did a good talk at Full Indie Summit. I don't know if it's online yet, but it's about, uh, you know, effective practice and effective yeah. learning in areas that uh, maybe aren't learning an instrument. Mm-hmm. But I've been paying attention to this because learning an instrument is a very, very obvious curve, you know, yep. for, for learning stuff. Yep. So Matt and I were talking about how would how would you answer the question, how do you practice sound design yeah so for more inquiry i've been i've been playing about an hour a day i'm doing scales yeah practicing fingering Mm -hmm. i am and it's important like effective practice is not noodling yeah yeah and all my instruments were learned probably like 80 percent noodling yeah and 20 percent actual practice of you know Mm -hmm. exercises and stuff yeah um so how does one apply this to sound design yeah. Which doesn't really have a classical format, necessarily. No. Or at all. I don't think no. there's a formal <laughs> sound design. Well, like, okay. Is it it um, may be growing. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, when I went to school, I went to school for recording engineering. There mm-hmm. was no sound design taught. Yeah. I, I learned some sound design while I was there, but it wasn't, like, super formally part of, like, here's your... Now, there is schools where you go for sound design. Mm-hmm. So there is more structure now. Yeah, um, I went to one. Yeah. Um, so my sound design chops are all self-taught, falling on my face, n- noodling. Mm-hmm. A lot on-the-job noodling, but just, uh, I got to figure out how to do this thing right now. Um, yeah. So not that, uh, like, actually effective way of learning something. No structure to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, thinking about it. So, in Steve Swink's talk. Yep. He's, so, so, he's trying to figure out how to practice game design. Right. And creating puzzles. Yeah. And the way he did it um, was by finding good puzzles in mm-hmm. games, like Braid. Um, things he thought were really brilliant. Mm-hmm. And deconstructing them with pen and paper. Yeah. For pages. Yeah. And then doing it again on his own. Right. Like deconstructing it and maybe reconstructing it as well. Yeah. And I think that can totally be applied to sound design. And I think I may have done that inadvertently Uh while I was learning as well. It's kind of close study of works you think are good. And then I think writing stuff down is really important. So I was going to say, so what is the, what would be the pen and paper version? I would have, I would have a pen and paper. I would, I would, Record gameplay, yeah. uh, or record film, 
And something that I just uh, viscerally thought was good mm-hmm. without thinking about it too much. If I think of like, that's a great sounding game. Why? Mm-hmm. Um, it is answering the why for yourself. So on a, um, I, I get sort of, I guess, like on a macro level, mm-hmm. like dissecting a game. Um, but I guess I'm thinking of like on a more micro level, mm-hmm. like can you dissect a single sound? I think so. Like on paper? You can sign. I mean, you could, you could take your gameplay recording. You could pull the audio out. You could put it in RX. Yeah. You could you could dissect it from I, like, a, I, at a, even at a frequency level or a timing yeah. timing levels and stuff. I think it would be more effective to not use something like like RX. Yeah. Just listen to like, all right, I'm going to dissect this gunshot. I'm going to yeah. take this gunshot out of the shotgun blast out of my gameplay mm-hmm. that I like thought sounded really cool in game. I recorded it, and then I'm just gonna I'm just gonna like loop that and just with your ears start to dissect okay what are the parts making what parts can i discern that make up this sound yeah you know like oh there's a there's a low end thump there's a a mechanical bit and oh the mechanical bit comes in you know a little bit later than this part and just sort of i think you can and then start to write it down yeah and i think you can then take that like use that as your instruction list totally can you then make something that sounds can you slot can you fill, refill the template with yeah all the so all the throw parts. throw it away throw your shotgun blast away and now go okay from all your your written out list go okay I need a thump I mm-hmm. need a mechanical bit I need a you know a distorted bit like and then see how close you can get from... and I'm gonna do it all with my mouth <laughs> <laughs> I think exercises like that are pretty fun yeah um the other the other things I think so that's that's like focused practice yeah i also think it's really important to self-review and there are some painful things that come with practice as well like what's been good about me making these videos mm-hmm. for myself every day um is that i can watch them yeah and see what i'm doing wrong yeah. so i actually had someone from the there's there's a there's a more for for foreigners facebook page <laughs> awesome. that i've joined yeah it's got about 100 people yeah across the whole globe i might have the only one in canada by the way wow <laughs> Not a super popular instrument. And by posting these videos, there's actually somebody that there are a couple people that float around that page and it's sort of their job. Yeah, yeah. To to pop in and give people tips, which is pretty cool. Yeah, nice. So I I learned I'm I've been holding the thing wrong. Right. Like I've had it slanted towards myself and you're supposed to hold it pretty much vertically. Or it's supposed to lean forward at right. almost a you, vertical position. You don't hold it like a cello. So I was holding it like a cello, and that was wrong. Mm-hmm. And now I've got to hold it away from myself, which means I can't. You can't look at it at all. Right. You can't look at the fingerboard. You can't see it. It's in front of you. Yeah. Which is pretty wild. <laughs> but I seem to have maintained some muscle memory and can move around again. So it's been good to look at those videos and and compare it to professionals as well mm-hmm. people that are good and be like well i'm not bowing like that at all right so that means i can focus at a microcosmic level yeah on like what my wrist muscles are doing and stuff yeah and it's all still very hard and i think accepting that something's hard is important mm-hmm. and and accepting the frustration that comes along with it so if somebody does a redesign of a trailer and they think it's awesome on tuesday yeah i think it's very important to Go watch the original if it was well done. Mm-hmm. Come back to yours and hate it on Thursday. Right. 
And you have to accept that. And be okay with that. And be okay with that. Yeah. And be stubborn enough to... to On want... Friday, pick it back up again and go, okay, where do I improve. make this better? Yeah. So yeah. it's almost... almost have Because the fact that I'm, I've been playing instruments for 26 years and I'm still rage quitting when yeah. I'm playing guitar. At first, I was like, wow, that's really discouraging. <laughs> I should be confident in my abilities by now. Yeah. But pretty much every time I'm recording a new thing for a song, yeah. it has to do with a lot of the fact that I'm writing and recording at the same time. So mm-hmm. I have to practice and then and record it. I pretty much have a, at least a mini rage quit <laughs> during every single song I write. Yeah. And I've been a professional for five years now. That's never going to go away. <laughs> it's almost the inverse of talking to Colin Northway and he's talking about learning programming and how uh, like when you figure something out programming, it's really rewarding. Yeah. Even at the most basic level, you're, you're like, wow, that was invigorating. Yeah. And Colin, Colin's like, that never goes away. That's sort of the miracle of programming. Yeah. Is whenever you figure something out, you always, you just get this rush. Uh-huh. And uh, so <laughs> I'm like, I found the inverse with regard to <laughs> writing music, which is like the frustration. It never goes away. Messing up <laughs> never goes away. And you have to just, you have to embrace that discontent yeah, and just roll, roll with it. Just the stubbornness and the discontent <laughs> is what keeps you getting better. Because as soon as you're complacent, then yeah, you're you just be... sort of settle yeah. at that level. There was this dude I met in university who pissed me off. Like, I don't, I don't like outwardly dislike people on the surface, but he, he like wound up back at our, in our shitty basement suite for some reason, because I think he came, he was with a friend of ours. And uh, he we had a piano in there, and he hopped on it, and he played, like, The Entertainer or something. Yeah. Like, not a super hard song. And and he he was like, and I was like, yeah, that was pretty good. He's like, yeah, I learned that, and then I just quit piano, because, I mean, like, what else do you need to know? And I was like, <laughs> I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> so. There there are other songs, yeah, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're, you're so good. <laughs> but it was not a hard song. So, yeah. You have to accept the discontent yeah. as part of the, yeah, you're never going to be happy. <laughs> Just accept the fact you're never going to be completely happy. It's part of the emotional roller coaster of creativity. Yeah. You'll have moments when you're happy. Yeah. You'll have moments of joy. Yeah. And then you'll get, you'll disappoint yourself again. Yes. <laughs> but to everyone else, you'll be getting better. Yeah. I think, which as professionals is important. <laughs> Um, an idea that I had been thinking about, um, I haven't enacted it, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but I've been thinking about that I should enact it, that I should do this. Um, I, I see a lot of artists when I come into work and other studios as well. They do like warm up sketches, mm-hmm. come in, in the morning and they just draw something. Mm-hmm. And it's not something for the game that they're working on. It's just draw, mm-hmm. you know, loosen up, get the creative juices going, draw something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been thinking of that I should be doing the same thing for sound design. Like, there's no reason that we should expect ourselves to just be like, right, 9.30, 10 o'clock, make something. And be like, right, creative is turned on now. Like, you know, a half an hour, an hour of like warm up, I think is actually a really good idea and not something that's meant for necessarily anything. Yeah. Just be like, hey, uh, I'm going to make a shotgun sound. Mm-hmm. This morning, I'm I'm gonna make a coffee shop ambience. I don't have coffee shops in any of my games, but I'm just 
going to make a 30-second coffee shop ambience yeah. of stuff. Just start, like, pulling stuff together and, like, you know. A little, little meditation. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've found... And it can be, if you really want to be like, well, I got to be productive. It can be stuff that you then file away in your library of things of, like, hey, there, I got a coffee shop now. Yeah. Right? Like, maybe I'll need that son. You know, tag it up, put it in your library, metadata, all that. There, mm-hmm. boom. Okay, you know, it's useful or make some HUD sounds or whatever. Like, you know, you can use it for something at some point, mm-hmm. but like not focused on your immediate tasks of the design for the day. Just warm up. No, I've, I've been thinking about sort of the meditative quality of these practices as well. These like low pressure practices. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I'm liking so much about the Morin Core is that I'm learning it for me. Yeah. I'm just learning it because I want to. And yeah. It's been a very long time since I did that. Yeah. Or I learned, it didn't learn something because I had to or like it needed to be in something. Mm-hmm. So like part of the practice is just like bowing super slow, like setting a metronome to 90 yeah. and letting like 12 ticks go by in one bow stroke. And it sounds yeah. kind of bad. And I'm working on that. But it's it's a really good way to sort of just turn my brain off for a bit yeah. and enjoy this thing yeah. Um, rather than running around on my phone. Uh-huh. And, and I think having that goalless... The goallessness of it is, is important. Yeah, or the the stress freeness. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Another thing I've been thinking about is, like, transferable skills. Uh huh. Um, because there are things in life and skills I have now playing this Morincourt yeah. that are transferring that I never really expected to mm-hmm. that much necessarily. Wondering if you can think of anything that's like transferred to your sound design chops from outside of the audio world. I mean, I'm sure there is. Like, it's one of those things of like, I'm sure, like... You've been doing it professionally for a long time, though, I guess, too. Yeah. But I think about, like, okay, um, I grew up with with a dad who, who was in construction and woodworking, mm-hmm. and we had a workshop, we built stuff, and I I sort of have that, like, osmosis gained how to build stuff. Yeah, I haven't been officially trained by like, you know, anyone, but I can look at a lot of things and go, yeah, okay, I can, I, I know how that pieces together. Mm-hmm. If you give me a stack of wood, I can, I could make a not great version of that. Um, and that's a skill that totally takes place, but I use when I'm doing sound design stuff of like, oh, I, I need to make this weird thing to make yeah. sound. So and I'm also build some stuff out of this, you know. I bet also you've been you've been banging stuff together and moving things around and physically manipulating objects throughout childhood and yep. and stuff and that's all going to contribute to intuition with how something should sound. Yeah, I compare when we're working in these virtual physical spaces. Totally, I compare um, a lot of stuff, a lot about being a sound designer. I grew up being a BMXer, which is yeah. very similar to being a skateboarder, and I feel like BMXers and skateboarders view architecture differently than regular people who don't do these sports. Yeah. You walk down the street and you're like, that is a handrail. I put my hand on the handrail so I don't fall down. Yeah. A handrail to a skateboarder BMXer is like, that's something I can do tricks off of. Yes. That like, oh, that that ledge over there goes a certain way and I can do something with that. Like you reinterpret your landscape with this new skill set. Mm-hmm. And I feel being a good sound designer, we do a lot of that. And that's that, that thing you just pick up from doing it a really long time and being around it all the time and thinking about it a lot where you're then in an environment and you're like, oh, that train is making a weird noise. There's yeah. a weird whistle coming out of the door on this train. Okay, I'm going to record that because I know I can 
use that as something else later on. Yeah, or at least mentally log it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, like I was in a, a ho- hotel and when you flushed the toilet, it sounded like a scream. Right. It made this crazy sound. I'm like, okay, I got to record that. I'm never going to use that as a toilet flush. Yeah. But in my brain, I'm like, that's a weird creature. I can turn that into something. All right, record that. Catalog it away in my brain of like, mm-hmm. all right, weird thing. It's not what it what it's supposed to be anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I always, like, there have been so many things, something I've been thinking about, so I've been swimming a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, like, a very short lane pool at yep. our complex. It's <laughs> very short, shallow. The deep, <laughs> The deep end is, like, chest height <laughs> yep yeah um and i've been so i've been thinking of like tempo and bowing right like while doing a backstroke because like you you kick four times and or whatever yeah i've been trying to like see how many times i kick in one circulation of the arm yeah and i don't know if it's working but i think that's an interesting way to think yeah it's just in doing this can this apply to this other thing i'm being i'm trying to learn yeah, yeah. um because i know and i think the core, the core thrust I'm trying to get to is, so a lot of people are working day jobs yeah, and then doing sound design on the side. And I think it's important to try to, like you can practice, mm-hmm. you can mentally practice things while you're not doing them. Yeah. Just in how you're sort of doing other stuff. Yeah. The number of things that, like from other jobs I've been able to uh transfer into sound design work uh-huh. has is insane i think like i think about tree planting and stuff all the time yeah just because tree planting was all about shaving half seconds off of your repetitive tasks and stuff right because you're paid by the tree it's piecework if you can shave a quarter second off of this motion you're going to do two thousand times in a day mm-hmm. that might be an extra 50 bucks and add that many more trees to your number planted for the day yeah yeah, yeah. exactly so so that has been transferred into, into like efficiency yeah. stuff. And I used to work at a factory where all we made was the corners of moldings for uh, for walls. Yeah. So if you had a curvy wall, if, if you had a corner of a wall and you wanted to do, a, I think I've already told the story, but you wanted it to not be sharp, you wanted it to be a semicircle. Yeah. Or a quarter circle. I made that quarter circle. <laughs> that was my whole entire goddamn job. Yeah. So the only interesting thing to do at that job was to get faster. Yeah. So I think it's important to, no matter how much you hate your day job, learn to do it well. And yeah. You, like, do it, anything you're doing, do it well. If you're going to be doing, if anything you're doing for eight hours a day. Yeah. Learn how to do it as good as you can. I think, I think part of that too, totally related, I guess, possibly just framing it in a different way. Mm. Uh, whatever you're doing, you can probably figure out ways to do it more efficiently. And if you can figure out how to do any job more efficiently, you can apply that to any other job of like, how do I, okay, I made dishwashing more efficient. I like figured out the optimal way to load a dishwasher. Yeah. You know, so like my eight hours of dishwashing shift, I like did way more dishes. So, you know, whatever. You can then be like, okay, I have now learned how to Tetris dishes into a dish rack. I can now then do that to other stuff. Yeah. You know, you can totally take those those efficiency skills. Yeah, and the, use it's them. the efficiency skill base that is being built here. Yeah. And you know, not That's doing cool. not doing dumb stuff, not not doing large processes 
like multiple times in a row when when you can chop it up into smaller areas and yeah and make them repeatable. One of the things I've been I'm been playing with sound particles. Yeah, right, right, and that's an offline. You build a whole thing and you render it. Uh, one of the things I really like about it is I I make these things that are like take thirty minutes to render. That's so crazy. But it sh- it lets you play as much as it's rendered so far. Mm-hmm. So you can make this crazy thing that's going to take thirty minutes, an hour to render or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to create thousands of particles. But you hit render and you just wait a couple seconds and you've got a couple seconds to listen to. Mm-hmm. So you can immediately go, yeah, this is going to maybe this will work or like. Oh no, no, this is just wrong, and hit cancel right away. Mm-hmm. So you're not like, oh, I gotta, I gotta wait thirty minutes to see if this worked, and then, oh no, that was a waste of time. Right. So you can kind of run that efficiency, like get it going, and then you're like, no, okay, just a little things, and you just sort of do these little bits of test rendering, yeah, kind of as you go before you're like, no, okay, now I'm pretty confident in this. Yeah. And one of the nice things too about I'm, you know, here at work, I have two computers. Mm-hmm. So I'll get a sound particles thing. I'll you know do a bunch of testing, get it close. All right, hit the button. That's going to do for thirty minutes. I'm now going to go over to my PC and do some game stuff. Like I'm going to do some FOD implementation or like tune the game or mix or like just something over here. Let that churn its thing mm-hmm. and do another thing at the same time. Yeah, right. Not just be like, what are you doing? Well, I'm I'm waiting, yeah. I'm waiting for this progress bar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on multitasking? I think it's smart or dumb. It's dangerous. Yeah, I think so. There are things things like this, like things like, hey, sound particles is going to take 20 minutes to render. Mm-hmm. That I think you can multitask and do something else while it's doing its thing. Yeah, I think there's a big difference between multitasking, a.k.a. doing several things at once actively. Yeah. And passive multitasking, which is probably a term I just made up, where it, it is. is like going back to dishwashing. Totally learned yeah. about that kind of stuff. While as a dishwasher in restaurants, you get the you get the machine going, yeah, and you and load you, up the next tray. You load up the next tray and do everything else. Yeah, the next tray has to be ready to go by the by the time. Yeah, then you open up, in. you pull that tray out, you put in the new one, you yeah. unload that tray while the other one's washing. Yeah, when I was fifteen years old, on my first day on the job, yeah, I was not doing that. <laughs> yeah, I was. I couldn't comprehend how other people were getting so much done. Yeah, because I was like, that's what I'm doing. No, no, you're not. It wasn't doing it. Not even close. Yeah. Um, so yeah, transferable skills. It's very yeah. interesting. So I do think there, if you multitask too much, you, you lose focus and you, you do a bad job at all of the things. Yeah. I think we both um, have pretty serious focus problems, which was on the piece of paper. The thing I wanted to talk about. There we go. Holy crap. We're tying it all together. <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk about focus in yeah. various ways. Okay. Because I'd been noticing my thing this week. I'm, I'm, I'm working on on hot lava, mm-hmm. um, on self-confessed hot lava. Sounds like it's in the stage of sounding like a pile of garbage right now. Right. So I'm like getting in there, digging in, going, okay, what do I got to fix? What do I got to add? What's missing? And I'm like, all right, I'm doing this footstep. I'm fixing these footsteps up. Mm-hmm. And then I fire up the game and I'm got FMOD open and I'm playing with it. And then I notice, oh, that sounds like garbage too. What's that thing that, well, that's missing. And I just keep getting distracted by all of the things that need to be done right now with you're the like, game. You're like Hal from Malcolm in the Middle, that yeah. one scene where he's got to change the light bulb and then winds oh, up like, no, fixing wait. the van. Yeah. yeah. What are you doing? I told you to fix the light bulb. Well, yeah, that was 10 steps ago. Yeah. So I find myself losing focus mm-hmm. where I'm like, well, 
the the footstep is still wrong because you've just noticed all these other things and you're making notes and mm-hmm. oh diving into you're like why did you open up Pro Tools to fix the balloon thing you're supposed to fix the cement footstep yeah you know like what happened uh, so I'm having to refocus myself and find ways to notice the things other things that need to be done but sort of compartmentalize them and put them off like okay yes the balloon is broken mm-hmm. write it down. Stay on task. Yeah. Stay on the, the footstep you're on. Deal with the balloon later. That beginning stage of a game where it's still a chaotic mess and like 50% of the assets are missing and 25% of the assets are there are wrong or yeah, bad, right. you know, and things have changed and the HUD's different from when you first made the thing. And it's just, it's, there's just so much wrong, Yeah, you know, that, <laughs> but you need to like, you need to break it down into small tasks and just... Stay focused on the small task at hand. Yeah. You know, and maybe at the end of the day, you go, all right, I wrote down all these notes. Here is the big picture. Yeah. Tomorrow, here's the three things I'm going to care about and fix. Yeah. And focus in on those. Yeah. Otherwise, you just, you get lost. I think having clear goals is important rather than just like, I got to make the Make like having a note that just says "Make hot lava sound better." <laughs> not not gonna. It's a bit too big of a note. <laughs> yeah, you know. So then, like a better task would be just you know audit hot lava and list all the things that are bad, um, which I find like, myself pretty. That's yeah. pretty good. I'm pretty good at. It's when I'm. So once I'm on task, I'm fine. Often for me, it's deciding on a task, especially because mm-hmm. if I'm like juggling, uh, like if I have to put a contract together, like I had to today. Put a contract together, also audit a game. Yeah. Uh, also email my accountant. Yeah. You know, when all that stuff is on my mind, sometimes I just like go completely just dead eyed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> which which was one of my other notes. There's like focusing on whatever you're working on at the moment, mm-hmm. be it the game, whatever. And then there's kind of like a, a little bit more macro of like the focus on your work and life and not really like a a work-life balance thing, but just like, what do you need to be doing right now for your work, your life, your whatever it may be? Mm-hmm. And you're like, all right, this is the game that is most important. Okay, tomorrow, it talking to my accountant is the most important thing. Yeah, you know, like lining out your your focus on maybe maybe a day or maybe an hourly level, but like not just in your work, but like on a grander scale, what's priorities? Yeah, yeah. So. And the other thing I noted was focusing on your mix. Yeah. Um, and I've been mixing a bunch of music lately. Mm-hmm. So I've been thinking about about that, but totally relatable to your game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, at any given moment, and we talk about this, me and Kevin talk about this a lot with trailers. Yeah. Um, in any given second of a game, what is the most important thing that you want people to be listening to? What's the mm-hmm. focus? What do you want the players to focus on at that moment? Yeah. And that's how you should, I think, make the mix of your game. Focus the player on whatever the most important things you need to be telling them at a given moment. Mm-hmm. And then figure out how do you move those things around. Right. You know, and that's where you get into like dynamics and everything of like, okay. At this moment, you jumped onto this new thing. That's the most important thing. I need to tell you that you jumped onto this thing. And it's the first time you've jumped onto this thing. So that's really in the important. Game. Yeah, yeah. 
two seconds later, you jumped onto nothing. And that falling is now the most important thing. So I got to make sure that you understand you messed up. And then you finished falling. Did you die? Mm -hmm. Did you not die? Did you like, did you barely survive yeah. the fall? You want to focus the player in on, you barely made it out of that. Yeah, and yeah, that yeah. can be like, whatever. It can be a, a, an exert, an effort, a, a big bump, a, mm -hmm. you know, a HUD sound for low health or whatever. Numerous things for different games. Mm -hmm. But it's that constant thinking about what is the focus at any given moment about your game. And in, musically, it's been amazing to think. I've been using, been using a lot of old emulations of EQs right. for my mixing. And I'm, I've barely used, the latest project, barely used any like big sweeping parametric EQs. It's all EQs that have fixed frequencies. And I, I find it really nice for my focus that I like, I pick an EQ, like, okay, I'm mixing this cello. Mm -hmm. All right, I pick an EQ and it's, I've only got like one or two or three bands yeah. with fixed frequencies to pick from. So I just go through them and go, what sounds good? What sounds bad? You know, pull out the bad stuff, hype up the good stuff. But I've only got this limited selection to work from. I'm not like overthinking all of it and sweeping through like, Every frequency, like you know, I've got like six bands of fully parametric, and like what, what, what cue should I put on these, and what frequency should I, and like sweeping through everything, and it's just like sort of like that when I'm doing music mixing, takes my focus too broad and away from what's You're important. Almost too microscopic, yeah. Versus just this, like this is the EQ. It only does these five things. Yes, pick one of them. Yeah, and it, I found it allows me to mix quickly. And as well, just focus on like, all right, with this limited set, how good can I make this track sound? Okay. Yeah, and you can make more binary decisions much easier that way. Just yeah. like, does it sound better or not? No. Okay. Yeah. Move on to the next one. Yeah. There. That's the frequency that makes that sound better. Okay. Yeah. Next track. What's, you know, what's here? Yeah. And what is the most, because uh, I've been doing almost exclusively music these days as well. Yeah. Like when a new instrument comes in, it has to be the most important one maybe or just at any like like in a song like in a game what is the most important part of the song at any given yeah. moment what do you want people to hear especially on my songs they're just kind of stacks of things yeah i was trying to explain it to so like john robert Matz and i we are we always talk about composition because we do it so differently but yeah, yeah the same the same in certain ways mm -hmm. and john is like i always start with the melody and then in a he's got like a whole story in his head when yeah. he's writing his He's like works with visuals a lot. Yeah, I have no visuals, and my songs are all just like it's a battle of melodies, and <laughs> the strongest melody just sort of wins. Yeah, <laughs> and I never, I don't even start with the melody half the time. I'll just yeah. start with like chord structure, or like or maybe a drum beat or something. Yeah, or 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 a time signature, mm -hmm. and uh, and then I just start slapping melodies down like ten <laughs> on top of each other, <laughs> and eventually one of them just like uh, uh. emerges, and then when I'm doing the mix later on. Like, okay, you win. Yeah. It's just this. I've been mixing uh, Mark Strait's next album, mm -hmm. which is this Demon Souls inspired horror orchestra thing. Yeah. It's a lot of fun to work on. Um, so he sent me a premix of one of the songs. He's like, What do you think of this? And I'm like, Well, it kind of gets boring from about a minute to two minutes. Mm -hmm. And he goes, Well, and he spins this huge yarn of like what the story of this song is and the people involved and the, you know, and the, the person is killing this other person and then there's these creatures and they're, I'm like, wow, <laughs> that is crazy. It's still boring after a minute. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, 
okay, I can, I can see where you're coming from. You know, yeah. made some changes, but it was like, it was really neat to like every one of these songs has this huge backstory mm-hmm. that he's telling. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, oh, here's a melody and this is cool and this is nice or this is scary. It's like, yeah. he's got a story to every one of these songs. And it's really cool that like there is this big back end yeah. that he's thinking about when he's writing these songs. Yeah. I've always wanted to do that. I just don't think I have the attention span. Yeah. Which is, Again, totally like totally different from how I make songs. Yeah, entirely. right. Entirely, and I'm like, I like make a thing and then figure out a name to attach it to afterwards. <laughs> yeah, and, I don't name it. <laughs> uh, sure, I'm looking around my room and oh yeah, Whole Foods bag. Yeah, this is the Whole Foods song. <laughs> the whole Splitters Critters album until the day of release was just song one, song two, song three, song four. And then I had a, I've had a good time. Um, Vince lets me uh, name all the songs for the Don't Starve. Oh, fun soundtracks, and yeah. I always try to like make puns off of other song names and stuff, and just get fairly ridiculous with, with them. I was like, "How are how are these, Vince? Are you okay with it?" He's like, "Yeah, okay, that's funny." I'm like, "Okay, yeah. that's good." <laughs> yeah, no, I always I always name songs afterwards because I know I don't know I don't know what they're gonna be before I start them. Yeah, yeah, which can lead to some file management issues. Well, yeah, when I <laughs> whenever I do an EP, it's like. Song one, song two, song three, song four. Yeah. Oh, I guess I should name these. Yeah. So that's uh, that's what I wanted to talk about. Okay. You you happy with what you wanted to talk about? Yeah, the learning thing. That's um, cool. I mean, I'm still. It's a definitely ongoing process. I mean, yeah. it's you get old, you retire. If you're not enjoying learning stuff, yeah, you might be pretty, might be pretty sad existence. <laughs> and I think that happens to a lot of people. Yeah, which is depressing. So, so keep learning stuff. Keep learning stuff. Keep being frustrated and overcoming that frustration yeah. to replace it with a new frustration. <laughs> Always be frustrated. Always be frustrating. <laughs> All right, questions. All right, uh, not a lot this time, but we got a few. Uh, Craig Barnes. Uh, oh, this is just this is one giant question, basically. Okay. Uh, Craig Barnes said, uh, "This may have been asked before, but." What are the what is the farthest you've gone to get a gig, i.e. number of demos, etc.? How far is too far? What is worth doing more for, and when is it better to drop it and give up the gig? If someone says this isn't the sound we're looking for, do you write a second demo, bow out gracefully? How far do you go down that like trying to land the gig? Uh, the farthest we've gone was easily for Night in the Woods. Yeah. We probably did seven revision passes. Yeah. And we recorded voiceover and like we went very mm-hmm. far um, with that. So on those like revi- it almost felt like we were already working on the game by the time we finished our our like uh, our mock up. Yeah. It was intense. Was like when you delivered your first one, mm-hmm. was it like the response of like uh, this is okay, but not quite what we're after. Or was it like we'd like, you know, these specific I, I, I things? Specific, I made it. I specifically said we're willing to revise passes. Like, okay. like, and this is goes for voice actors as well. Most voice actors are totally willing to do another pass. Yeah, and aspiring voice actors, you have to make that clear as well when you're mm-hmm. auditioning to be like, if you want, if you want me to try again and change a couple things, please give me notes. Yeah. So when I'm submitting a mock-up, I have yeah. to, I am, you have to ask for specific feedback. So I guess, I guess where I'm going 
um, with the question, mm -hmm. is how specific was the feedback you were getting? We were getting very specific feedback. Okay. Because um, I think that's important um, when you're deciding how far to go. Yeah. Is um, you deliver, you know, demo one, and the response you get back to me kind of informs, do you keep going or do you stop? You know, and if you're getting like, oh, we really like this, you know, this part is close, but X, Y, and Z needs to be changed, we think. Okay, yeah. I can change X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Versus getting the like, man, it's okay. We'd like to see another one. That's me like, well, okay, yeah, I'm going to take another kick of the can. Yeah, if you don't have specific feedback, then you're just rolling dice. Yeah. You don't. Without specific feedback, there's there's not much point of putting a pile of work into something, in my opinion. I I never did I never did a lot of demos for the work I did when I was freelance. Mm -hmm. um, but my biggest thing I I think was uh, when I was trying to get freelance work from Hothead Games, um, I had talked to the audio director Adam, and he said, "Yeah, we need we're going to need somebody. I mm -hmm. need help." And it just sort of that kept going for months yeah and i kept at like all right i'm gonna phone him again i'm gonna email him again whatever like just that was sort of my like how far am i gonna take this before i give up and go okay you're never actually gonna hire anybody so that was a time thing for me of like how long do i keep this going like mm -hmm. i wasn't doing a million demos but i was like all right I, it's been another three weeks i guess i'll email him again and that paid off i got a whole lot of work from them and worked on some fun projects and Right. And everything. But I think there's a lot of people would have bowed out before I did. <laughs> yeah. And I think like when when to quit also depends like how how like do they really want you to keep doing it? Right. Is one thing. Like like Jeff was saying from Power Up, he yeah. literally had someone tell him to like never fucking call him again. Yeah. And that's a What's nice about that is, like, at least you know, you <laughs> yes. know, yeah. you're not going to be doing doing mockups for that company. Yeah, yeah, you you might need to to do some reading between the lines. Yeah, of like, are they are they receptive to changes or are they just like, are they are they are they saying no, but they're being too polite to be clear communicators? Yeah, in this instance. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people that that are like that, that don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and not want to yeah, say no. Afraid of confrontation or whatever. Yeah. The the size of the project, I think, is important. Like, if it's yeah. a tiny... Like, we we wouldn't have put the work that we put into Night in the Woods for other projects. Match three puzzle you know? game. If it, if, if it was a project that didn't require that depth of... Yeah. Per, like, basically perfection, like it had to be... Yeah. Like, that game has to sound perfect because... The art is so amazing and everything's so polished. Um, so it was worth the effort. Mm -hmm. Also, it's already like it's one of the most anticipated indies yep. in the world right now. So we were really willing to like <laughs> go the extra mile. Yeah. So, yeah, that's important. Like, is yeah. it worth is it going to be worth your time? Like we probably put, you know, M probably spent a whole week on that. Yeah. And as far as me paying M for a whole week, that's like. That has to that return on investment needs to happen. Yeah. So value your time. Yeah. Is this gig if you get it? Is it even going to pay for the time that you put into it? Yeah. You know, give yourself a dollar amount. Yeah. Well, how much yeah. are you worth? I'm per going hour? to spend X amount of dollars demoing for this. Yeah. If your hours for your demo are encroaching on the money you'd make from getting it. <laughs> yeah. Then you're kind of just coming out moot.
Yeah. So no firm answer. It <laughs> a big old it depends. Yeah, it definitely depends. It depends on the how how big the project is, how bad you want the project, whether or not you're getting a straight answer from yeah. the developer, and yeah, whether it's gonna pay for itself in the end. Question the second okay. from is your guy on Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh now I had to get clarity on this. Because he said, bouncing slash reprocessing slash resampling. How good is it and why is it very good? I was like, what? (laughs) And he said, uh, make a weird layered sound, bounce it out again, treat it like a sample and start over again with with that work. Right. Uh, Maybe this actually has a name, he said. Uh, Yeah. I'm not sure. But yeah, in a way, that's kind of what I do when I make a, a pool of sounds from... For HUD, I like, you know, use a bunch of synths or whatever, and I make a bunch of sounds and I throw them into a bucket. And all right, now I'm going to pull out of that bucket to make all my unified HUD sounds. Um, so that sort of like source creation and and then asset creation. Yeah. So that's that source creation is totally a fun, great thing to do, mm-hmm. and I think is a really great way to help bring everything together and make a cohesion to something that could sound quite disparate if you don't aren't careful yeah you know it's like uh invisible ink all the in computer sounds all had bit crunching and ring modulation Mm -hmm. as part of those sounds that was like all right anything that is generated in this area has these effects on them and then those effects are not used anywhere else in the game so it's like that means it's in the computer and that was like a really great way to make that feeling and in some cases some of those sounds were sounds from the real world of the game mm-hmm. that I then put through those those processes so that was I was kind of I was resampling the real world of the game and being like well this is now happening in the computer world so what does that sound like I want to tie it to the the world but be a unique thing so in that case I was sort of like I'm sampling my own game so yeah there's tons of fun stuff you can do with that I do that with soundtracks. Sometimes I will take sound effects from the game and sneak them in. Or for for the new Cellar Door Games game, I'm sneaking in some Rogue Legacy sound effects into the music. <laughs> and and Joey's reusing some Rogue Legacy sound effects for the sound effects themselves. It reminds me of, it is now the signature guard alarm sound for Clay Entertainment because we had a guard alarm sound in Mark of the Ninja and I temporarily reused it for Invisible Ink and then we shipped Early Access Alpha. With I, it with it and I hadn't <laughs> managed to change it yet and somebody called it out and I was like I'm leaving it this is <laughs> this is officially now the guard alarm sound this is a thing. yeah 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 so if we do another game that has alarmed guards I'm totally putting that sound in me like yeah, that is the, that is like my Metal Gear solid guard alert like it's gonna, <laughs> I'm making it a thing all right this is a a real question obviously somebody knows I do real talk Kevin oh, real with two E's. Two E's. I thought you were insulting the last question. Oh, Wasn't that, <laughs> that was a fake question. Yeah. <laughs> Nate said, Nate Iski? Nate, Nate. Yeah, he's he's in town. Yep. Yep. Sorry about your last name. I'm just assuming I mispronounced it. Um, he asked, when it comes to a reel, what kind of quality sounds impress you the most? Dialogue, robots, monsters, soft wind. Uh, Details important to me. I like frame accuracy, sync. Yeah. Dynamic range, really uh, emphasizing your moments. Mm-hmm. Like big moments should feel like big moments, and there should be almost subliminal stuff going on. Like you, you, you should know how to work a mix. Yeah, is important if you're if you're doing a redesign. 
Yeah. So if something big is about to happen, you should probably be dropping out some of the BGs for a little bit beforehand or something, you know? Um, I'm, I get impressed by nice, detailed sci-fi stuff. Yeah. But I also feel that sci-fi stuff is really easy. And it's the most fun to design in a yeah, lot of yeah. ways if you're messing with, if you're a plug-in person. So in some ways I get more impressed by a, a very natural world because those are harder to me, I think harder to to pull off yeah um i i really like detail and anybody who's watched real talk knows uh i'm i'm always up in everybody's business about ambience and one of the reasons i'm always up and up in everybody's business about ambience is because i feel that lots of people forget about the ambience and bgs of the world that they're creating because they're focused on the really cool stuff that's up front yeah and making a really nice ambient bed that fits and works and doesn't get in the way of the cool big moments and stuff to me speaks to your attention to detail about creating a whole world and yeah. not just like hey here's this cool robot punch and just well and your yeah your imagination as a creative person as yeah. well you you don't need to be told what's there yeah i think that's yeah i think that's super important so that actually the soft wind can be sometimes the most impressive thing to do because it's there's a detail and subtleness to that that if you can do that i think speaks to a lot of depth as a sound designer yeah so yeah it totally depends on who you want to get hired by and 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 all that i need people that can do almost everything yeah we we really want sort of jack of all trades at mm -hmm. our company specifically whereas a lot of companies might need just someone that's really good at dialogue yeah. or is good at programming uh dialogue or or is good at guns. Comp yeah, yeah. Or, you know. Gun yeah. design, cinematics, specifically, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. That was a good question. That was a real, real question. Real, real. A bit of a timely question. Okay. Um, Nick Maban? Meban? My bad. I'm sorry. It's a Facebook question. I'm sorry <laughs> to this person. Uh, how do you guys feel about Steam Direct? How do you think it will impact freelance and indie game audioers? I'm not a big fan of it. I don't have other proposed solutions. Yep. I think it's not going to prevent bad games from getting through. Nope. We're just going to get bad games by people that have money. Yep. That's going to be the only difference. How it will affect audio people? Maybe not at all. I mean, we need we have to work with people that have money. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So it might be good for that. Yeah. Like the we won't get broke people hitting this up. But I know there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of developers that are making great games with no money mm -hmm. at the beginning. I can I can think of probably several games off the top of my head. Yeah. That kind of had nothing and wound yeah. up being okay. Um, my thoughts are kind of uh, Greenlight was a bit of a shit show. Yeah. At the end, it was. So you know, yeah, that probably needed to be replaced. And the right now, the details on Steam Direct, we don't know the details. Yeah. They're they're throwing around like it could cost two hundred dollars, it could cost five thousand dollars. Like it's there's a, it's a it's, lot of confusion. Yeah, it's going to be very different if it costs five thousand dollars to put your game on a Steam Direct versus two hundred. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm waiting on details right now. I it, I think there's too many unknowns to know how this is going to play out. I'm just going to start a company that. We'll uh, pay your Steam Direct fees for two percent of your profits. <laughs> evil shit. Uh, and there's there's <laughs> so much stuff that it's like okay, so uh, it's it, 
it's potentially going to be a barrier to people who have great game ideas and and no budgets, no money. Um, and it's going to take away time from their development costs. Mm-hmm. Those people that are in those situations are those the people that would be hiring game audio people to begin with. Like you've said, yeah. we need people who have money to hire us as game audio contractor people. So I don't know if it's going to have any effect on us as a whole. I don't think it's going to affect the quality of games on Steam, which is what I assume the goal was. So I, I don't think it's going to do what they wanted it to do. Yeah. I think there's still going to be tons of terrible games. It's it's the, the what do you call it? Not visibility, you know, discoverability yes. of stuff. Um, and that's still going to be a problem with Steam Direct or Continue with Greenlight, whatever. There's so many games coming out that discoverability is the biggest problem any indie game people probably have yep. right now. Easily. So, you know, that's that's still a question mark. Yeah. Um, and in two, I claim no expertise in this area at all. I am like, there is a lot better people to listen to than me about how Steam Direct is going to play out. Yeah, right. For for all of us. Uh, Ryan Clark's The Clark Tank? The Clark Tank, yeah. On on Twitch on Fridays. 1 p.m. PST, I think. Yeah. Or is it he, is, he is really knows his stuff about all this kind of like the business end of games in Steam yep. and stuff like that. I would definitely recommend, if you want to know more about that, listen to him. He's mm. definitely a good voice yep. for that. And that's about it. Yeah. I don't think we had any other questions. We already did our plugs Woo! right at the top. When we're done. Cool. Uh, so thanks for listening. Uh, hope to see people at GDC and CarouselCon. Come see us, get some buttons, hang out. Yeah, I'm just floating around this year, so... It'd be sweet. We're going to do some sweet GDC interviews. Yeah, we got some good ones lined up. Listen, listen to those for next. Cool. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.